Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Today is week five of our series, I Am. We start it with, I am the bread of life, where Jesus explained to us that he was essential to our life, just like the bread that we eat. Second week was, I am the light of the world. He leads and guides us, just as the light does every day. Um, almost stayed up too late. I told Shelly this and, and Miss Dorothy almost stayed up to try to look at those aurora borealis lights. And I'm so glad I didn't because it didn't happen <laughs> last night. Um, so I would have stayed up for nothing. But he reminded us he is the light of the world, leading and guiding us in all that we do. Third week was, I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus is our entrance into the kingdom. He's the one that is at the gate protecting us as well. And then last week was, I am the good shepherd. He calls us. He calls us by name. And he loves us like nobody's business. How many of you already used your corn? Anybody already used the corn? Bo has. Yeah. That's because Bo is feeding the pets out there, right? How many of you are saving the corn until next, you know, in November? There you go. Amy Jo, woo! Amy Jo was excited. Thank you, Amy Jo, for posting how excited you was to win your corn last week. Man, if I don't see some cure eggs posted today, I'm bringing them back. I'm... So make sure you've signed up, teens and adults, for your coffee. Um, Prize back there. The reason I picked coffee this week, this week's statement is I am the resurrection and the life. Coffee is life. <laughs> Every single morning and afternoon and sometimes right before bedtime, even for me. Like it, it doesn't even matter. Um, you, you ain't seen nobody hangry till you've seen Miss Dorothy at a wedding last night and couldn't find her cup of coffee. Robin, it almost got ugly, and then Pam thought she was going to pass off some hot cocoa as coffee, and it really almost got ugly at our table last night, I'm just telling you. Um, but she wasn't even doing the driving last night. Now, Thomas is the one that probably needed that, that cup of coffee last night. Coffee is life for me, all right? So make sure you've gotten signed up at the back online. Get ready, Amy Jo. If you are watching online, you are up for a drawing. We have two Starbucks cards, $25 a piece. Amy Jo's like, I'm leaving. I'm going home. I saw her face. You can go sit in my office, Amy Jo. We'll count you online out there. So online, your word today to enter the drawing is coffee. There you go. We had a discussion last night. Roger was like, I don't like Starbucks. I don't even know what to order. Let me tell you, if you win this card, this is what you order. Or, or maybe if you just don't know yourself, you're going to go, you're going to order a cold brew. This is coffee, people. Don't give me that look. You're going to order a cold brew coffee with a salted caramel cold foam. Life, I'm just telling you, just telling you. So today, turn, we are in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Now, this is a passage that can be hard. I think I could do an entire series just on John chapter 11. There is that much packed into this. And so when I was trying to decide what to read, I thought I can't read this whole chapter today. I decided to go about this a different way. So we have a video 
And we're going to let the Skip guys tell us about John chapter 11. Hi, Tommy and Eddie, the Skip guys here. And we want to talk to you about something very scary, the New Testament. Wait, the New Testament? Oh, it's scary. How is the New Testament scary? It's totally scary. I mean, think about it. You got like demon-possessed people. You got people who are stoned to death. You've got uh, uh, zombies. Whoa, zombies? Yeah. Zombies. Yeah. In the New Testament. What do you think Lazarus was? Lazarus wasn't a zombie. He was a brain-eating zombie. No, Jesus raised him from the dead. Yeah, he was a living dead. No, no, he was a living living. I mean, no. In John chapter 11, it talks about that Jesus came on the scene and raised Lazarus from the dead. It wasn't scary at all. It was a very beautiful thing. Okay? I mean, can you imagine that? Being on the scene where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, everybody's around there crying and everything. It must have been an amazing sight to see. I cannot believe Lazarus is dead. I know, I know. I mean, one minute he's telling me a joke, and the next minute, and his jokes are so funny. His jokes always kill me. They're so. I said killed. He's dead over there in the tomb. I didn't mean that at all. I, didn't. I know. I know. It's not cool. But he didn't even finish the joke. And I'm dying to know how that joke ends. I'm dying to know at the end of that joke. You said dying. He's dead. Oh, my star. <laughs> Jesus. Hi, Jesus. What, why are we crying? You didn't hear Lazarus. He's dead. Yeah, if you'd been here a few days ago, maybe this wouldn't have happened. Maybe, maybe. It's really hypothetical at this point. We really don't know. Mm, what? Jesus has cried. Why has Jesus cried? Jesus doesn't cry. No. Jesus loves the little children. What? All the children in the world. The red ones, the yellow ones, the black ones, the white ones. That chunky little kid that lives across the street from me and throws rocks at me. Jesus loves you, chunky boy. But I don't. And I've been collecting every rock that you've ever thrown at me, and one day I will hurl them at you with the power of Zeus. And who'll be laughing then, chunky boy? Who'll be laughing, okay. chunky kid? Tommy, then? Tommy, Tommy! What? Okay, just be cool. You were uh, totally carrying on a conversation with your thumb. You all right? You okay? And I've been your buddy for a real long time now. Everything Okay. You, uh, people are watching. It's all good. You, you need anything? You need anything? Can I do anything for you? Hmm? Hmm? I think I need a counselor. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. What, Jesus? What? You want us to roll away the stone from Lazarus' tomb? Um, how long has Lazarus been in there? Like four days. Okay. 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 Jesus, don't quote me on this, but Lazarus, um... He stinketh. Yeah, I don't know if this is a good idea or not. I really, really don't know. Yeah, Jesus, don't quote me on this either, but, uh, ugh, yeah, all right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Lazarus, he ate a chalupa right before he died. Okay, time when- out. A chalupa? A chalupa. That's what you're going to say Lazarus ate for his last meal was a chalupa? Out of all the biblical food you could have put into this kid, you chose a... Chalupa. Chalupa. Okay, the people that are watching it, they're, they're very smart people. You can't prove that. <laughs> no, they are. They're smart people. And we definitely know that Lazarus didn't eat a chalupa for his last meal. Well, how come you couldn't put some biblical into this just to kind of make it, you know, grounded? I think it was an unleavened chalupa, which technically is a burrito. Fine, fine, fine. What's that, Jesus? Okay, you still want the stone rolled away from Lazarus' tomb? Okay, um, can you get someone over there to roll away the stone? Yeah. 
Roll away the stone, Skippy. Time out again. What? Skippy? You chose Skippy to roll away the stone? Out of all the biblical names you could have put in the skit, you chose Skippy. You chose a hydrogenated peanut butter to roll away the stone from Lazarus' tomb. Skippy. He's just going to skip on over there and do that? How come you couldn't have gone, hey, Andrew, can you roll away the stone? Hey, Bartholomew, can, can you roll away the stone? You know why? Because I thought Andrew and Bartholomew would be over there with Jesus. I looked over here, and all I saw was Skippy standing next to Peter Pan and Jif and Grandpa Smuckers and that generic guy in black and white. But no, no. Forget it. No! no. We'll make it all bibliographic. Don't worry about Sorry. it. No, 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 no. no. Captain Theocracy. Fine. No. Here we go. Sorry. <clears throat> Roll away the stone, Scipius. Satisfied? Yeah. See why it goes by Skippy? I do now. All right. That's so funny. Did you hear Jesus? No, what'd he say? What'd he say? <laughs> he goes, he goes, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Who talks like that? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Come on down. <laughs> All due respect, I don't even get that. <laughs> hey, Lazarus. <laughs> I see dead people! I just soiled myself. All right. I gotta gird up my loins. That's biblical. Hey, Lazarus, welcome back, buddy. Hey. Yeah, hey, we're dying to hear that joke. No pun intended. Yeah. 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 You think of what I'm thinking? Oh, yeah. He stinketh. In John chapter 11, we see Jesus raising Lazarus from the tomb. I mean, what's amazing, if you look at John chapter 11, Jesus says his name. It even says Lazarus with an exclamation point. I mean, think about that. He had to say his name. Why is that? Well, because, I mean, he's Jesus. If he just would have looked over here and said, come out, like everybody would have come out. It would have been like, and this is the And that's what's so great about Jesus. He called him by name. He told him to come out. And think about this. When Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, what if he didn't come out? Yeah, what if from inside the grave, Lazarus just would have yelled back, I don't want to. It's comfortable in here. Nobody judges me in here. And, and if I come out, people are going to expect me to be different. And that's the challenge we all face. Jesus is calling each one of us by name to come out of the grave, to be different people, to not just put on the grave clothes, but to live this life, this abundant life. I told you it was scary. I knew we had kiddos today, so I thought they might enjoy that version of John chapter 11. So we see in this, and, and we're just, just going to hit some of the high notes of, of 11. I won't read everything to you. But the first image that I see is when the sisters send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. Now, first of all, let's think about this. They knew how to contact Jesus because you got to understand, remember I always say, figure out your whole context. He's kind of in hiding at this point. He has went away to uh, safety because once again, the leaders are wanting to stone him and kill him. So they're in the know. They're the BFFs. They're the family of Jesus. They know where he is. They know how to get word to him. And so even though he's out hiding out, they 
know where to find him. Now, there's no mention that they told Jesus to come, is there? They just sent word that Lazarus is sick. But there was an expectance there. Number one, we're not going to send you a note, Jesus, unless it's really serious. We're not just sending you a note because he has a little sniffles today, right? We're, we're sending a note because he has COVID-19, he's on the ventilator, he's, he's serious. The other thing is, I said, this, this is Jesus' BFFs, this is his family, These, this is his, his people, right? So they've seen him do other miracles for people he doesn't even know, right? Or, or they don't know him, Jesus knows everybody, let me reverse that. But he's, he's done miracles for people outside of the circle, right? So naturally, he understands the urgency. There's that unspoken request. We need you. We need you to come. Now, this is not just going to be another miracle. We, we've already seen Jesus do all these other miracles just you know, if you flip back at the beginning of John and just sort of skim through, he's turned water into wine. He's made a lame man to walk again at the pool. He's fed 5,000 people. He's walked on water. He caused the blind man to see. But this today is more. I want you to feel that urgency with me today. This is more because in, in verse 4... Verse 4, it says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory. So this miracle we're looking at today, there's a whole bigger picture here than just a physical healing that's fixing to happen. I've lost count up to this point how many times they've tried to arrest Jesus, how many times they've wanted to stone him, right? Almost every story we've had in the last few weeks has ended with they tried to stone him or they tried to arrest him. Here's one of the the big things with this one. This miracle is going to have two huge impacts. First of all, for those who already believe in Jesus, they're going to get a bigger picture of who he truly is. Jesus as God, the Son of God, as giver of life. Not just that he fixes things, he gives life. The second big impact that Jesus knew this was going to do It would initiate those final steps leading to the cross. This was going to be that changing moment to save Lazarus' life, to go save his friend, would mean costing him his life. This was going to be the final push for things to begin to happen. Now, the disciples knew there was a true danger in Jesus going to Lazarus. Remember that Jesus knew that there was a bigger plan here. 
Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, so, so what's happened is the sisters have sent word. And Jesus says, hey, what's fixing to happen is it's for God's glory. Verse 5, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his, to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But listen, his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. And you want to go there again? So they understood the danger in what this would cost. And then Jesus says this thing about there's 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours, you know, of darkness. And I thought immediately of you, Shelly, of like, there's a number, Shelly. What does it mean, Shelly? What does it mean? Y'all had to been in Revelation study with us. Shelly loves her numbers. I want you to think of it like this when Jesus says there's 12 hours of daylight. We only have a certain time to get things done. Farmers, you understand what I'm saying. Like, you only have so many daylight hours. Speaking of which, time out. Daylight saving times ends next week. I know I always contemplate whether to share this in November because um, if y'all forget, you make it to church on time, just so you know. So I honestly do this so you don't embarrass yourself and you tell somebody I missed church because I forgot about daylight savings time. Mm. This one don't work that way. So time in. Just just a little side note for you there. But farmers, you know there's only so many daylight hours to get done, right? I, I know we live in the modern times. We've got lights on everything. It really don't matter anymore. But you know, you understand what I'm saying. So I want you to think of what Jesus is saying. He's, it's time to do what I've come to do. Jesus knew he only had a certain time on this earth to accomplish what the Father sent him for. And he knew, because all through, he's never let anybody push him to do something that it wasn't time for. And he knew the time had come. It was time to accomplish what the Father had sent him to do. You know, at first he tells his disciples that Lazarus is asleep, and they kind of mistook that. Of like, okay, great, he's asleep, he's resting, he's getting better. Let's, let's just, no worries. But then he had to be very direct. He's dead. We got to go. So for now, you'll really believe. You know, he, he lets them, he's being very direct with his disciples because he knows what's coming and he wants them to understand. Remember we talked last week about this? We understand. We know the whole story. They did not. So this whole process, every I am statement is about him explaining who the Messiah is and what he had come to do so that at the right time, they put the dots together to figure out who Jesus really was and what his purpose was. And then verse 16, poor old Thomas, nicknamed the twin or Didymus, we... we Thomas went through a stage where we called him Didymus in quizzing. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. Now, all my 
my Christian life, I've always read a little sarcasm in that one, but I was wrong. I was wrong to hear it that way. I think because that's what I would think of like, we've warned you. Well, boys, let's go. We're going to die with Jesus. You see, back, you have to understand the backstory, the context. Last week when we finished with the Good Shepherd, if you went on to verse 22, you saw that there was a, a changing in the time. That Jesus now was in Jerusalem for the, the festival of dedication. We know it better as Hanukkah now. And it was an eight-day celebration. It celebrated, go back, do your history. It's a, a great read. Um, the Catholic Bible would have the books of Maccabees in there, and that's what this would cover. And it celebrated the Israel's deliverance and the temple rededication during the time of the Maccabees. So during that time, and this was um, from 175 B.C. to 164, a ruler, Antiochus IV, had come into Jerusalem, and he claimed to be divine. He began to bring in the Greek religious culture, and he was trying to literally wipe out Jewish religion. And he overtook the temple, and he began to do all kinds of paganistic rituals inside and desecrated the sacredness of the temple. And so for this festival, what they are celebrating, Judas Maccabus and his brother led the rebellion, the fight for freedom for the Israelites that won them back their freedom. And so the dedication of the, the temple was when they came and they cleansed the temple of everything that this ruler had done. And of course, if you know the, the legend behind Hanukkah, there was one um, one bottle of holy oil that was left to light the lights, which would have been enough for one day, by the way, and it lasted them eight days and gave them time to purify new oil so that they could keep the lights lit. So with all of that in mind, Jesus at this festival in chapter 10 was very bold when the Pharisees said, hey, would you just tell us who you are? Like, are you really the Messiah or are you not? And he's like, yeah, I am. I'm the son of God. Blasphemy, let's kill him. And that's what led Jesus to run and hide for safety where we find him today. So he fled for safety near where he was baptized. And so now you understand the thoughts of you know, we've talked about every week how the Jews always had this thought of a great leader coming to save them. So they would have had the mindset of somebody like a Judas Maccabus coming to save them again from the Romans. But Thomas's statement put it all into perspective. And, and when I understood this mindset, I realized the real thought of Thomas here Thomas was saying, I'm all in. Lord, I, I really don't think this is a good idea. I think we're going to die. But I'm all in. It's that complete devotion. For any of you that have served in our military, you understand what I'm talking about. I know there was probably times that your commander told you to do something that you didn't think was a good idea. But I'm all in. 
and I'm going to do what you say do. So that's the mindset. And I I found this uh, in one of my commentaries. I love, 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 love this. Real courage. Listen closely. Real courage means being perfectly aware of the worst that can happen. Being sickeningly afraid of it and yet doing the right thing. Man, we need some people of courage these days. Because as the skit guys told us, when when Jesus calls us out, that can be scary. That can be scary. But real courage means being perfectly aware of the worst case scenario and sickeningly afraid of, of it, knowing what could happen, yet doing it because it's the right thing to do. There are moments where you feel in the Bible there's a huge inhale and exhale moment that you know This is a moment that changes everything. So when I got to this statement of Thomas, let's go to and die with Jesus, Jesus knew. Jesus knew this would be the definitive walk to his death on this earth. He knew as soon as he left this spot to go back to Bethany, everything changed. Thomas knew how dangerous it would be to go back. He knew for Jesus, he knew for them, and those people were not happy with us back in Jerusalem. That's why we left. Inhale, exhale. But let's go do this. Now let's think about the timeline. Bo, give me that map I gave you so you understand the timeline of how this all was going down. So... Lazarus and the girls, they're over here at the yellow. Jesus is over here hanging out on the blue dot, all right? So he's been to Jerusalem. He was at the festival. They didn't like what he said. Boom. He's going to go hang out here. This is about a day's walk. So day one, the girls send word to Jesus, hey, your buddy's sick. It's about a day's walk to get there. And so when we get through with this timeline, you're going to understand probably somewhere between that walk is where Lazarus dies. So like he probably died before the messenger even got to Jesus. But then Jesus said, remember in verse 6, it said he stayed two more days. So day two and day three, Bo, no. Come on, man, stay with me. Stay with me. That's hard with my brain today, but you got to stay with me. So day two and three, they're still hanging out over here at the Jordan, okay? So day four, a day's walk, Jesus says, let's go. We got to go. So this puts into perspective for us where everything was going, And you've got to understand over here, you see how close Jerusalem and Bethany are? There's actually only a couple of miles in between. Which means 
That's why Thomas is a little nervous. He understands the very people that just wanted to stone you, we might run into them. Right? So, you see, Thomas knew that chance was very high. That's why he was so sure, let's go die with Jesus. Because we're going right back into the thick of things. Now, verse 21 They make it into Bethany. Martha gets word. Somebody says, hey, Jesus is coming up the road. She takes off for him. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you, if only you had been here. If only you'd been here. My brother would not have died. Church, this is probably the most human, honest sentence in the entire Bible that you and I can understand. Because we've all had this moment. Jesus, I sent word. And if you'd have been here, things would have been different. But look at the very next thing she says. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And I know sometimes when we look at that, we're like, what is she meaning? Did she understand? You see, in the same breath that Martha shared her hurt and her disappointment, in the very same breath, she said, but... I still believe you are who you say you are. Guys, this is important. This is so important because this is fresh. This is, this is four days. If you've lost a loved one, you know, day four, ah, you're still in that fog. You're still, <sighs> you're still in that hurt. And that's all we feel. And she said, if you'd have been here. Because you're our best friend. (laughs) Jesus, I thought you loved us. (laughs) And if you'd have been here. But I still believe you are who you say you are. Hmm. Verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. You see, this is more than just physical life. But BJ, he said up there that everyone who believes in him will never die. He wasn't talking physical death, people. Lazarus come back. Lazarus still died. Mary and Martha, they believed. They still died. You and I, our bodies, will die. This is where he's 
giving them the whole new meaning. Now, now here's the deal. Martha believed in the resurrection someday. But see, Jesus, this is more. He says, today. Life begins today. You know, Jesus was thinking, even if people are dead in their sin, even if through sin they've lost all that makes life worth calling life, I can make them alive again. Now here's one of the parts that kind of got to me this morning. And honestly, this morning is when I saw this. It's when Jesus encounters Mary. Now, there's nothing wrong, by the way, with Mary staying behind. There's a whole process how Jewish mourning would have taken place. And, and Mary's sitting in the house, which this is actually an important thought of um, after they remove the body and they flip furniture around, they sit on the floor. She, she's in there doing the whole hospitable thing with all these people that would have came from Jerusalem. Here's another another issue I'm sure Thomas is having now that they're there and, and they've heard G- that, that Lazarus is dead. The custom would have been anybody that was within distance would have came to pay the respects at the home. Jerusalem is only a couple of miles away, which means the very people that was upset with Jesus could be there <laughs> visiting Martha and Mary. So, so Martha has her conversation. She goes back, says, Hey, Jesus is here, Mary. So Mary goes out to see Jesus. And when Jesus encounters Mary, it seems about the same. You know, they both have that same reaction, just like Martha, because in verse 32, Mary says, If you'd have been here, if, if you would have been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. And that, that seems the same. But what is it that she doesn't say? She doesn't say, but even now. She simply says, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then Jesus saw her weeping. She breaks down. All the other mourners around her are breaking down. Now here's what I was looking at. Verse 34. Well, into verse 33, it says that a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. He was deeply troubled. And then the the famous one we know, shortest, shortest one in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. Right? And and we like to take that sometimes, and, and I, I do believe Jesus was weeping with them. He felt their pain. He knew what their pain was of losing a loved one. But then in verse 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. I've sat many, many times with these scriptures trying to Think through what it means. I read through my commentaries and there's a, a whole lot of what ifs that this could have mean. Why Jesus was so troubled with this. But then there's something that I just never saw and never thought of. So this is BJ's commentary this morning. What if it was Mary's doubt that troubled Jesus so much? Let's think about who Mary is. We've read in other 
Gospels about Mary and she sits at Jesus' feet. She knows who he is. She knows how important it is to take that time and worship him when he's there. But now, her faith has been shaken. Oh, church, anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're in that grief and your faith gets shaken, she had doubts about Jesus' love. Because she's like, Jesus, I thought we meant something to you. And I've seen you do. I know what you can do. If you'd have been here, I know what you could have done. And you didn't. You didn't stop it. So her faith has been shaken. And remember back in verse, I love this. This made it so beautiful to me that back in verse 5, so although Jesus loved him, hear me, church, his love didn't change. His love didn't change for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. There was just a bigger plan happening. There was a bigger plan that they didn't know anything about that was taking place. So he waited. Church, listen up. Martha and Mary, they're you and I. They're the church. They're the believers. They're the Christians today. Because we say it. We, we say, God, I've served you. I've loved you. I've done this for you. Where were you? I sent for you. I even thought you were going to show up and you still didn't. Where were you? There will be times that we cry out and God wants us to pray to him. But our faith in God says that we leave the answer to him. So we sin for Jesus when we kneel at these altars or you kneel at home. We sin for Jesus. My question today is, how will you respond? Because this scripture tells me today, Both sisters were sure, they were sure of what Jesus could do. If you'd been here, you'd have healed my brother. But only one sister said, but even now, even now, if I don't get what I want, you are who you say you are. Church, which sister are you today? Let that sink in. I believe in in the healing power of God. But our God is bigger than that. If that's all I preached to you was healing power of our physical bodies, I have let you down. Because you see, Jesus, (laughs) he was concerned about the eternal side of things. Yes, I know the story doesn't stop here. Man, it it could. What if? What if that was all we had of this story and we just stopped and we had to choose which sister am I today, right? And I know the story doesn't stop, but understand, it's more than that physical. This was about 
them understanding who Jesus is. So when the events of the cross and the tomb happened, they'd have the full understanding of what just took place. You see, if it was just a a physical healing of Lazarus, it wouldn't have a whole lot of meaning to you and I, right? You see, when we look at the miracles that Jesus did, there was always a bigger meaning behind every one of them. There was always something going on. So then we get to the fun part when he tells them to roll a roll, roll the stone away. And, and as they said on the screen, oh, but Jesus, he stinketh, Martha said. <laughs> you see, that's why that, that timeline was so important. Yes, we, we know the Jewish belief of how the spirit lingers three days, gone and forth. It was more than that. It was the physical. If you know the physical decomposition in humans, then you know they didn't embalm. In fact, when someone died, they quickly buried them. Right? And all the spices, it was to cover up the stinking. So by day four, farmers, you know what I'm talking about when you find a dead cow or a dead chicken. Them chickens, oof. I know when my hubby's been in a bad chicken house. Do not stop. Go straight and throw it in the washing machine and get to the shower. Right? It's stinking. So that's the, the time frame that's going on. Verse 41, so, so they rolled the stone aside, and then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, listen carefully, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. Remember, remember Martha said, whatever you ask, I know God will give you. Jesus said, you always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Again, Jesus had a bigger purpose for this day. It was so that when this day is over, there is going to be no doubt I am the Messiah, the giver of life. And then he calls out, Lazarus, come out. I love what the skit guy said. I never thought about that. If he had just said, come out, all the dead people be Michael Jackson down the aisle, right? Why? Because he's the giver of life. So he calls him out by name. And then this is the part that fires me up, people. What does he say? When Lazarus comes out, because he comes out still wrapped up, and you got to understand that they would have bound his hands, they would have bound his feet, then there would have been a dress cloth all around the body. They would have done the head separately. So he did look like a mummy coming out of that tomb. And then Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. Now I've done sermons before where we've talked about him telling the people to do it. We've got to let go. We've got to quit keeping people in their chains. We've got to unwrap them and let them go. Mm. Church, there's a, a whole different... Somebody's got to catch this today. And if, 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 whew, if we don't... When we come before Jesus 
in our repentance and we're asking forgiveness, we look the same as Lazarus. We are wrapped up in our sin. Everything that we've done binds our hands, binds our feet. We can't see. We can't be who God wants us to be. But at that moment when we ask for forgiveness, I believe Jesus was talking to every spiritual being, unwrap him and let him go. Your sin will fall away. You are not the same. Oh, Satan will try to remind you of everything. And I don't care what your sin is, little or big, it doesn't matter. He will unwrap you and he will let you go. But, you know, like Tommy and Eddie said, what if Lazarus was like, eh, I'm doing good in here. I don't want to come out. Because isn't that how we really are with God these days? We know God is speaking, but oh, I know what it's going to mean, and he's going to want to change this. Like, I don't have to preach about things. You know what God is convicting you of. But, man... When I had this vision of Jesus saying, unwrap him and let him go, I don't know that he was talking to the people. I think he was talking to the demons. I think he was talking, because why? We know Jesus is coming to take back the keys. Oh, anybody know 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul's writing to the church, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God! He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what he was teaching them that day. Not that he could perform yet another miracle. No, he was telling them, I'm fixing to win a victory like you ain't never seen. It ain't going to look like a victory to you. Oh, church, can somebody say amen today? Because... Sometimes it doesn't really feel like a victory at first for us, does it? Oh, but church, you got to let, let him unwrap you. John 11, there's a lot going on. I want you to go home. I want you to read this chapter today. You know, some of us, we, you know, Bible reading, we, we get to read it there, but I want everybody to go home and read this chapter today to, to see how much is taking place. You're going to see at the end, starting with verse 45, the plans are starting to come together now. Okay, this guy has, he's done gone too far. We got to put an end to it. And it says the Passover festival is coming. Let's make a plan, guys. See, this is what Jesus knew would happen. He knew when he stepped back into Bethany, the clock starts ticking now. We got to do what God sent us to do. Go home and read it. Here's what I'll leave you with today. Mary and Martha, they loved Jesus. And he loved them. There's no doubt about that. 
They just could not see the bigger picture of why things didn't happen the way they wanted it to happen. Church, many of you, you've sent word to Jesus. You either haven't heard back yet, or maybe you did and it wasn't the answer you wanted. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to him not showing up the way you thought he would? Knowing he was capable, he still didn't do what you ask. It doesn't mean that he's not working. It just means we don't see the full picture yet. Again, you and I reread chapter 11. I can read it. I get on fire and I'm excited. I know the whole story. They didn't. They didn't know the story. They did later. They had hindsight later of that's what he meant when he pulled Lazarus out of there and he said that he, you know, yeah, I get it now. Jesus loves you. He's concerned for our physical well-being, yeah. But this life is limited. He's more concerned for your eternal well-being. I'm more concerned for your eternal well-being. Some of you need to understand what this means for Jesus to be the resurrection and the life. We mess up on this earth. We still pay consequences. Sometimes that happens. But we can still be cleansed. We can still be made new and alive in Jesus Christ. And that's not a someday promise. That's a today. Because you see what he did. He didn't just say, yeah, because think about this. Lazarus, not only does he stink, he probably don't look so good, right? (laughs) And it would have been okay to talk about the resurrection. Martha understood, yes, Lord, I know someday he'll rise up. Jesus said, today he's going to come out. Church, today he's calling your name. Today he wants you to come up out of the grave. Because if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a walking dead person right now. Your sins cause you to be dead. Jesus is offering life. And he's offering to release you today from whatever you bring to him. Stand with me this morning. Oh, Bo, I'm so in love with that song. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I'm so in love with that. Sorry, I didn't tell you that. You just might as well keep that on a good repeat because that's all I've listened to. People would have thought, Shelly, I dance in my car too, just so you know. One foot always on the accelerator. Let's go. And I've had this song on repeat all week long. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Because I was a stinking mess when he found me. And he set me free. And then he changed everything about my life. (laughs) And that's okay. I didn't understand then what he was doing now. But looking back, I see it. 
See all the little dots, all the people in my life. Church, he's calling you today. Because this song says, let me tell you about my Jesus. He'll do for you what he did for me. Let him change your life. You see, you got to walk out of the grave. I can't do it for you. Your mama can't do it for you. Your grandma can't do it for you. Maybe your wife is the best Christian you've ever known, but husbands, if you ain't taking that walk out of that grave, you're as dead as could be today. Flip that around. Maybe your husband's the best man you know, but wives, if you ain't said it for yourself, you got to make the walk out of the grave today. Heavenly Father, we come today. I don't want to end this service, Lord, until I know that your spirit has done the business he came to do with each person here. God, I know right now you're calling somebody out by name to come to these altars and say, I believe. Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life, and nobody else can give that to me but you today. Maybe you've said that sinner's prayer sometime in your life, but you've been walking around like a a mummy, still wrapped up, believing that everything you've done can't be forgiven. Yeah, it can. Because the moment you said, please forgive me, Lord, he forgot it. He cried out, let her go. And you were free. Lord, I want that freedom for every person in here today. And when they leave here, Lord, I want this message, I want this song, I want everything to continue to meditate in their hearts until your good and pleasing, perfect will is done in each of us. Oh, God, I know there's still some broken hearts in here. They cried out, they sent for you, Lord, and they didn't get what they wanted. It didn't happen the way they thought it would. Oh, God, I I pray today they can take that breath and say, but even now... I know you are who you say you are. Because when we can come to that conclusion, Lord, we can we can worship you with joy in our hearts, no matter the hurts of this world. I love you, Lord. I thank you for calling my name. And I thank you for releasing the things that bound me so tight. Things that haunted me, Lord that I thought stopped the forward progress. You released it. And I want that for every person here and online today. In the name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, Amen. Church, I love you this morning. Have a blessed lunch. We hope to have you back. If you can stay and help with Candy, do so, or show up early, whatever that may be. And I hope to see you back here today, but be a blessing to someone today. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely, Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.